For our next message, it will be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Jesus, Author of Eternal Salvation. Good afternoon, everyone. I guess for some parts of the world after today, say it was a great afternoon because we don't know where that uh, Chinese rocket is going to fall. Some high-risk area, I think I read. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 5 and verse say, uh, verse 9, that is, uh, we read concerning Jesus that being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto, them, unto all them that obey him. When you look at the word eternal, you know that means a very, 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 very long time. I've heard it described as a bird that would be landing on a rock and once every year it would rub one of its feathers on the rock Ever how long it took this rock about the size of Mount Everest to wear it down. That describes eternity. So eternity is a very long time. And that is our salvation unto all of them that obey him. So we see a key word in there. All them that obey him. And sometimes that's not hard when we look around the world today and even when we look at our own human nature, knowing that we have a lot of weaknesses, a lot of faults, a lot of things that kind of get in our way in obedience to our Lord. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that we are to look unto Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. Now, an author is one who originates something, who begins something, and we see Jesus is our maker, and he is the perfecter of our faith for all it entails. And that might include our hopes, the way we worship, the things that we believe in, how we live, faith. Now, in Acts 4.12, it says this also that there is none other name, that is, none other authority under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. So there is no other way by which we may be saved. Only in the name of or by the authority of Jesus can we have this eternal salvation. So who is Jesus? How is he the author of of eternal salvation and how is he the center of the Christian religion of what we believe in as Christians is Jesus God is he a deity how is he the center of our Christian faith how can we know over in the book of John chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus said this to his disciples he said search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So search the scriptures. 
meaning the books that we know today as the Old Testament. And there to find out just what it is required to have everlasting life and who Jesus was and is and shall be. So Timothy was given a letter by the Apostle Paul who said to him, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed that the scriptures are profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for correction, for reproof, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But we know that in order to establish a precept or, or a uh, belief, you see this verse that Isaiah has in chapter 28. It says in verse 9, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So this is a principle that should uh, guide our search for truth in the scriptures, even in our everyday questions that we might have about what we see and hear about in the world around us. So this verse implies to us a, to have a diligent attitude of study, a patient searching out of the scriptures to answer for the hope that is in us, to see what we need to have as things for salvation, that make for salvation, that make for a better life as we, as we uh, best we can in today's world. Now we know that not every belief is bundled up and tied together nice and neatly in one place and labeled, but fortunately we have various uh, study helps done by scholarly uh, people who uh, have written books who have written guides and dictionaries and concordances and encyclopedias and handbooks and maps and diagrams which help us to see how it is that the Bible is put together, how the words uh, tie in with one another. But of course there are the scriptures that we can look at on our own and with prayer that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, he was met with opposition. John 1, 11 through 13 says that he was rejected by his own people. He was opposed by the religious authorities, and then he was crucified because he made himself equal with God. And he claimed to be the Son of God and came in his name. And he came preaching repentance and the good news or the gospel about a coming kingdom that we should be preparing for. So, in spite of all that, in the presence of the people that he went among preaching, he showed many miracles. The people saw his, they saw his compassion, they saw his uh, humanity, they saw his supernatural healings and the restoration of life to the dead, and they heard the wisdom in his word and the authority in his teaching. And as he preached to the crowds, 
there were those great crowds followed him he would always say if there be if you have ears to hear <clears throat> let him hear hear what the spirit says <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> but anyway they heard the wisdom of his word as he uh, spoke the things that God gave him that God the Father gave him to say and they heard the authority in his teaching he taught as one who had authority not as the scribes of the Pharisees so Christ knew what he was talking about but there were many who were slow of heart to believe it says though great crowds followed him they wanted to hear him speak they wanted to hear what he had to say and some perhaps went to see the Jews contend with him <clears throat> but after Jesus's time on earth was completed <clears throat> and after the events of the Passover they saw his uh, uh, saw his crucifixion and death and then his resurrection three days later in Acts 1 verses 3 through 5 we read where Jesus showed himself alive to the apostles after his passion by many infallible proofs. Now this happened a long time ago and what we have and what we trust in is that the word of God, the Bible that we hold in our hand, in our laps, that we have in our house, that the word is true to those events that took place thousands of years ago. But he he after his passion by many infallible proofs that he was seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and many of these people had seen Christ crucified hung on the cross bleeding to death having gone through uh, some cruel mockings and a crown of thorns placed upon his head they remembered that but now he was resurrected after he had died so in verse 4 Jesus appeared to the disciples and, and being assembled together verse 4 of Acts 1 being assembled together with them he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem not to leave Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father and he said verse 5 for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence not many days from there so this Holy Spirit or this Holy Spirit of uh, baptism is a work of the Holy Spirit that would unite believers with Jesus and unite them with God the Father in Luke 24 49 Jesus said to them Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Power, this dynamo, this, this generator of energy is through the power of the Holy Spirit and how it works in the mind that helps one to overcome, that helps one to have hope, and that helps one to realize the purpose and the plan that God has given in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sake 
And so they were to go up to Jerusalem, and they were to wait there and uh, not uh, depart. So it was on the Feast of the First Fruits, the day of Pentecost, that they would receive power from on high. And we can, you can read that in Acts 1, uh, 14 to 15. So this is a promise. This is the promise of the Father that Jesus said he would send. And he sent this Holy Spirit to them just as he has sent it to us on the day of our baptism, ever how many years ago that may have been. And so we're looking back at what Jesus Christ has done for us and how it all came to pass and how it is that we today hold fast to the truth that is promised in the words of God. So Paul, in the book of Acts, he was uh, reviewing the history of that time. In John 14, verse 16 through 17, Jesus said, I will pray the Father. I'm going to pray to the Father. And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That's, you know, that's eternity. That is the spirit of help, the Holy Spirit that he would give, that, that spirit of counsel, that spirit of strength, that spirit of comfort. And all of that includes, of course, the, uh, the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, who is the God of love, the God of life, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So this spirit is in each and every one who has come to believe in Jesus Christ and accepted, accepted him <coughs> as Savior. But how is it that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation? How is he the finisher of our faith? You heard earlier in the message by Reggie that we are jars of clay. And we know that Jesus, that God, is the potter and we are the clay. Years ago, I used to uh, work at a, uh, not work, but I taught uh, uh, clay and uh, making pottery. We had a potter's wheel and had a lump of clay. And sometimes this clay might, ha might have little bits of uh, uh, rock in it. And you could feel the roughness of it. But you wanted to make the clay smooth unless you were working for some kind of a uh, textural surface on it. And in college, where I first had this experience in working with clay, we had to take the dust, we had to take the, the dirt, and then we had to water it, and then we had to uh, turn it into clay. And so once we got that done, uh, I had a friend who had his uh, ball of clay, and I had never seen a potter's wheel before. And it was one of those mechanical ones, where you, uh, a kick wheel, where you would uh, use your foot to kick the, the disc that's, that's underneath get it spinning so that it would spin the clay or, or the little table of clay and uh, and you would lean over your work and you'd uh, take that soft clay and you'd gradually build it up build it up and if you if you lost control of the speed of it or you dug too much into the clay it would wobble and come apart and you'd have to start again and 
so the project was you got to finish the work. You got to uh, finish that clay. And along the way, sometimes, if you're not paying attention, if you're not focused on making that clay, you have a tendency, once you get to the top, it's becoming oh so perfect, uh, that you stand up and you put your foot on that flywheel that's, under, that's underneath and it just sucks you right away. So I had this friend who did that. He was all into his clay, it was going real good, and he stood up and he stepped forward, he stepped on that spinning wheel, and zoom, there he went <laughs> underneath his project. At the time it was funny, and even more funnier when I think about it today. <coughs> but you got to focus in making that clay. And sometimes you can just do without the, uh, the, uh, the spinning wheel. So our focus, of course, is on Jesus Christ. Because he's the author of eternal salvation, that he is the potter and we are the clay. And he's shaping each and every one of us in a different way, trying for a certain shape, a certain form, to work out some of the impurities in our life and to focus his attention on our salvation. In Hebrews 10, we also see that Jesus is also the captain, the captain of salvation. <clears throat> it, for it became him, verse 10, it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing, in bringing many sons unto glory. Look around the room and you can see that this is taking place. Many sons and many daughters unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. How? Through suffering. Through suffering. <clears throat> so he suffered as we, endured temptations as we, had many sorrows, and we also go through suffering at times in our life. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. There are things that hold us down, that keeps us from moving sometimes. I've got a chair at the house that when I sit down in it, I can't get out of it. It keeps me from, from moving, and I'm that weight that, that sits there in that chair. I think it was built for people much taller than me because my feet don't hit the floor and uh, the back is way back there. But anyway, it's a chair that uh, I've mentioned. I, I hate this chair because I can't get out of it. But. So this every way can be applied not only to physical things that hinder us, but it uh, can apply to also spiritual things that happen in our life that hinder our growth, that hinder our faith, that dim our hopes in many ways. Let us lay aside every way. It takes, it's going to take a conscious effort. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Habits that aren't good. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This race is uh, 
like, in a way, like a relay, and, and speaking uh, of that, back in high school, I was uh, the second runner in, in the uh, mile relay. And my part was to run a, a 440 yards as fast as I could, but you can't run it real fast because you've got to pace yourself or else you'll collapse and not make it to the next guy you're supposed to hand the baton off to. So the, usually the one who started it, started the race was the one who set the pace because he was the one who was the speedster. And then in those the second and third relay uh, runners would try to maintain the pace, maybe increase the speed. And then the fourth man, hand the baton off to him, he was the speedster that could, you know, pull it out if we were behind. And we pulled out a lot of races, won a lot of blue ribbons because uh, we were pretty quick. Even my short legs, you know, I had to do double, double and triple time in order to keep up with some of the taller, taller people there. But let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So in this race, it's going to require our patience whatever it might be, whatever weight we might have, whatever sin that we have to overcome, it's going to take us, our patience, to overcome it. But here's how we do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of, of God. So our focus is on Jesus looking ahead, knowing that in this race that we look at as life, that there is a goal, that there is a reward that is worth striving for and not quitting on. For consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. And that's where, you know, that's where our strength that's where the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts and in our minds. And if there's some kind of weight or whatever uh, that hinders that, we, we become weary and, and faint. So as we look into the book of the Gospel of John, we see that he emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity means God. It means an immortal. It means a supernatural being. In John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 3, he says this to us. He said, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, that would be, be a statement for those who believe as they did in the Old Testament or, and look back to the Old Testament that there was just one God. In my father's house, he said, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. So he had this authority to go to prepare this place for uh, a Christian. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In John 1... Verse 1, Jesus, you know, is introduced. We know we're familiar with that. He's introduced as the Word. That is the Logos, or spokesman, who was in the beginning with God, and was God, and who made all things. So, 
we see John makes God and Logos equal in all respects. He was in the beginning, he was with God, and was God. And he was the very God of the Old Testament who made all things, for he was the Word. So this uh, verse, John 1.1, it carries us back to the beginning of creation and the first words of Genesis. Chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This word is, uh, is a term, the word is a term translated from the Greek word logos, as I said, which means spokesman. And in its capitalized sense, it is seen as a feature of God. Verse 4, John 1, in him, that is the logos, was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness. Then in verse 14, chapter 1 of the book of John, it says that the word was made flesh. Jesus left, as we know, his heavenly glory to become human and to lay down his life for all mankind. So we see that Jesus existed before the foundation of the world. He was loved by the Father before the world was founded. John 17, 23. I'm not going to go through all of the scriptures and read them. So we see Jesus was incarnated. He came incarnate from, from a Latin word that means in the flesh. And he was given a body to dwell in human flesh and be as a sacrifice to take away the sins that neither the blood of bulls and goats uh, could do. Hebrews 10, 5. And he was, so he was given a body, a body that would bleed, a body that would feel pain, a body that would have sorrow, would have emotion, and experience temptation, that would need oxygen, that would need food and water uh, to survive. That was the body that Jesus was given, just like you and I. We have a body that experiences all these things and have needs of all these things. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. And it says in Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion of, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 1 Timothy 3.16 that, says that without controversy, controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. He preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In John 1, 29, we see where Jesus is revealed as the Lamb of God to be slain, to take away the sins of the world. And not only the sins of the world, but whatever sins that we had in our life before we decided to change and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. In John, 13, uh, John 1, 33 and 34, we, we read where John the Baptist recognized Jesus 
as the one who came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And where he says that Jesus is the Son of God. Recognize him as the Son of God. So, there are many references in the book of John where he cites things about Jesus and reveals to us the deity of Jesus and the divine mission of uh, Jesus and God the Father in a joint venture for our salvation. And that brings us, when we look at the book of John, it brings us to uh, an important statement there where it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Gave, it, gave him to us. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's eternal salvation. And who knows what that eternity is going to be like. So Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to be the author and the finisher of our faith, of our individual uh, being as a Christian, and to be the captain of our faith and salvation. And he came with the power of God, the Father, to make all of that possible. In John 17... In the prayer of Jesus, he said, Father, I will that they also, speaking of his disciples, speaking of you and me, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. And where is Christ now today? He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting for that day when he will return as, as king of kings to this earth, that they may behold my glory. And that's the time we will behold his glory. And what else? We will see him as he is, for he, for we will be like him, it says. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, that you have sent me. And I have declared unto them your name, and will, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them and I, in them. In John 10, verse 29, uh, some of these uh, are, are not listed on the outline that I gave you. Uh, you might just want to write that place in, John 10, 29-31. It says in verse 29, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then, verse 31, what did the Jews do? They took up stones again to stone him. Now, in this life, we know we have troubles and trials and things that beset us from time to time. And as Jesus said, in this life you shall have tribulation. <coughs> trials, said Jesus, there are going to be things that test our faith, our patience, our strength, our attitude, and our resolve to be like Jesus, to follow uh, God in his way. It's going to affect our attitudes toward one another and 
even toward Jesus. So the world around us, we see, is really a place of evildoers. Evildoers, in which the scripture says, shall wax worse and worse. And where the love of many shall wax cold, being replaced by hate and betrayal and other things that do not define uh, love. In John 14, 1, again, Jesus said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, referring to the Father in heaven, believe also in me. So Jesus was not well received for making such statements because it made him equal with God and none could accept that there is none but God. So many doubted him. They didn't believe in him. And many went away when he said he was the bread of life, that they should partake of him. In Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 17, it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there, was a fair, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed which was taken with a, with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, that is, before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, couldn't get past the crowd. The room was full. So they went up to the housetop and they let this man with the palsy down through the tiling with his couch, with his bed into the midst before Jesus. Imagine Jesus seeing this commotion that was above him as he was teaching and then this man being lowered on his bed right there in front of him. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, said unto them, What reason you in your heart? Whether it is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that, that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sin. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, he said unto the man who was sick, he said, I say unto you, arise and take up your couch and go into your house. So this man was healed, he was able to walk again. And Jesus saw their faith. Faith is such a crucial part in our life. Something that I know in my life can come, can come and go. But in all the Gospels, we see that Jesus is called the Son of God. And Jesus himself made statements that can be said only of a deity. But search the scripture. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Search the scriptures. 
They testify of me, says the Apostle John, John 5.39. So we go back to Genesis 1. He is called God and creator of the heaven and the earth. This name God is translated, as we heard earlier, is translated from the Hebrew Elohim and is a uniplural noun meaning more than one. In John 1.1, 1, 1, the Apostle John reminds us of this when he confirms that in the beginning was the Word and, the, and that the Word was with God and that the Word was God and that not without him was anything made. And it was Jesus as the Word or the Logos in the Old Testament. He said, let us, let us, plural, let us make man in our image. And that work, that creation, is continuing to this today because we are working on eternal salvation. So he was before the foundation of the world. So in Genesis, also he's seen as the seed of the woman that will smash the serpent when it's time. And in the New Testament, we read that Jesus overcame the world and was manifested to destroy the work of the devil. So that time will come. John 16, 33, he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In John, 1 John 3, in John 3, 8, it says that he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. We read in Revelation where Satan is the being that deceives the whole world. That he puts into the minds of those who accept his way. A way that only leads to ruin and to sin and eventually to death. But in Jesus... We have forgiveness and salvation. Romans 8, uh, verse 1 through 3. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because if you walk after the flesh, you're after the physical things that are just temporary. They don't make for eternal life but it's the spirit that does for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh in Exodus 12:33, he is our Passover lamb, the lamb that is sacrificed for us, who is manifested to take away the sins of the world. And he was that lamb without a blemish or spot. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us that he was wounded for our transgression. Everything that was placed against him, as far as painful things could be, he was bruised for our iniquity when he took those lashes and those sharp pricks of, of thorns upon his head, all of those things that he suffered 
it was for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we were healed. It was for our peace of mind, and he knew this, that we were on his mind, and by his stripes we were healed. First Peter 2.24, it says that who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. In Leviticus, Jesus, it says, is our high priest who makes atonement for us. For he entered once into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for us and forgiveness for us. And he now lives to make intercession for us. And we can go to him any time in prayer to ask for his help. To go before him in believing prayer to ask him for our help. And so Jesus made it so that we could go boldly unto his throne of grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Sometimes we don't always know what we need to pray for, but the Spirit makes intercession for us. In Deuteronomy, he's like Moses. You know, Moses was uh, meek, very meek, of all the men upon the earth. And Jesus himself said, I am meek and lowly in heart. There are other places, of course, in the Old Testament where it speaks of the deity of Christ. As Jesus said to Philip in John 14, 9, He that has seen me has seen the Father. There are other revealings in the, New, in the Old Testament books that concern uh, the presence and the, and the mission of Jesus. Romans 3, 20, 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, meaning the Old and the New Testament scriptures. That's the uh, law, that's where it's found, the Old Testament, and the prophets there who spoke of Jesus' sacrifice and his coming, that's in the Old Testament. In Joshua, he was the captain that led to victory. Some of the books that I have read, some of the uh, uh, dictionaries in which uh, these things were uh, revealed to me, made it easier for me to uh, study along these lines. In Judges, he's the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the redeemer. He's the trusted prophet. In Samuel, in Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Daniel, he is the fourth figure in the fiery furnace. When you think about that, when you feel like you are in a desperate situation and it seems like it's just one that's just going to end your life, you leave it in God's hands. He was that fourth figure in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, the husband who, he, he's the husband who opens his arms to a backsliding wife and seeks her return. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord, mighty uh, to save. And in Jonah, he is sent as a warning for a society, a civilization, for people to repent. And we see Noah as a foretaste of the judgment that is to come on a sinning world, just as Jesus warned us that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. 
So when we look at the world in this age in which we live, we see a world that is in need of restitution. We hope the world will change, but we, we know that prophecy tells us that Jesus is going to have to return before the world ends in self-destruction. So as compassionate and peace-loving Christians, we hope for the best, and we pray that we, we will not become jaded, hardened to the sufferings of people. Because the more and more you hear about things happening, and well, then they're done that, heard that, we become a little jaded, and we lose a little bit of sensitivity, like the calluses that we, you know, get on our hands or for, from, from the work. We, we don't have exactly the same kind of feeling that we, that we would have. In Ezra 9, uh, 4, or it's Ezekiel, the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men, or the people, that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. We can still be thankful, and I, I know that many of you, when you see the things that happen on television, that happen to innocent children, or when we think about others who are suffering, uh, we do sigh and cry. Because of the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. So what the world needs now is for the kingdom of heaven to come and a king, not a human king, to bring justice and peace and healing to our lives. A heavenly king. Psalm 72, verse 1. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge the, your people with righteousness and your poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. And you know, this is the kind of a civilization, this is the kind of kingdom, the kind of rulership that we would like to seek. In his days shall the righteous flourish. Who are the righteous? That's you and all who have accepted Christ. And abundance of peace as so long as the moon endures. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. And the kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him for he shall deliver the needy when he cries the poor also and him that has no helper he shall spare the poor and the needy and shall save the souls of the needy he shall redeem their souls from deceit and violence and precious shall be shall their blood be in his sight you know Jesus said in Nicodemus that you must be born again and he said that unless 
a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So those who have accepted the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, who are baptized, have his Spirit, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And down in verse 46, uh, reading from John chapter 3, uh, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall, see, uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. In John chapter 10, verses 14, 15, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And he said in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. And verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 5, 24, Truly I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life. Verse 37, And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. But if you'll remember uh, back in Genesis uh, 32, uh, we see where, you know, Jacob wrestled uh, with an angel. And this angel is, uh, just means messenger. And the, the angel was not able to prevail over Jacob. And so uh, uh, the angel or the messenger uh, knocked uh, Jacob's uh, hip out of joint. And Jake, Jacob called the place where this, this wrestling match took place, he called it Peniel, meaning the face of God. For there, as he said, he said he had seen God face to face. So this must have been the one who became Jesus Christ. That the God that uh, Jacob had seen face to face. Nevertheless, John 1.18, the apostle said that no man has seen God, and you know, that's the Father, at any time. Only the, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Romans 8, uh, verse 11, If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ, from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So we have to stir up the spirit sometimes when it seems like uh, you know, our spirit, our attitude is not up. And that when we have a, a spirit uh, that is good, that shows us the way to go, that we must not quench it. And in Romans 12, 2, it says that we must not be conformed to this world, this way, this values, this lifestyle, which can rub off on us. So John wrote many details concerning Jesus, who he was as the Son of God. John uh, 20, verse 27. Remember he said uh, to Thomas, he said, Reach here your finger and behold my hands. Look at my hands. And thrust it into my side and 
don't be faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, and when he did that, he said unto Jesus, my Lord and my God. So Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. That's why uh, the Apostle John wrote all of these things concerning Jesus. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Again, in Hebrews 12, we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where he is, to make intercession for us as our advocate and as our high priest. Consider him that endured such contradiction, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Revelation 22 it tells us that Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gate into the city. Ephesians 5, it says, verse 1, to be ye therefore followers of God as, as dear children. And verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we please God by imitating Jesus. And that's a way that, you know, calls for a lot of personal sacrifice. But we know that Jesus is the author and the finisher of eternal salvation, that he is the captain of our faith and that we follow him and obey his, his, his orders, his commands, his ways. So let us look unto Jesus. Let us keep walking in his spirit, not the spirit of the world. Let us keep our focus on him, for he's the son of God and he is God among us.